Welcome home, everyone. And in a blink of an eye, we are already in December. I don't know about you, but this year has just flashed by super quickly. Uh, and in a few weeks' time, like what Brother Aaron mentioned earlier, we will be celebrating, or the whole world will be celebrating Christmas together. So I don't know about you, but for me, I get really excited whenever it's the end of the year. You know, I look forward to seeing the lights at Orchard or the, the fake snow at Tanglin Mall, you know, or uh, all the different foods that come out. And of course, the Bible verse at Tangs, when you walk past Tangs, you're always looking out for that Bible verse that they put up there every single year. And somehow Christmas has this special vibes, you know, of something unique, something different, something special. And as we marvel at the, the decor, the lights, the gifts of this season, the food, let's also take some time and take a moment to marvel at the awe of what this season truly represents. See, it's all about God giving us the best gift by sending His Son, Jesus Christ. Let me pray before we continue. Father, we thank You for this afternoon. Lord, would You help us, Holy Spirit, help us to wait on You well. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Everyone says, Amen. How many of us here, a show of hands, this is a participative uh, session, how many of us here love waiting? Oh, okay, nobody. If you raise your hand, means you're going to stay here longer for the service. Yeah. None of us, or most of us here, do not. We, we didn't raise our hands. Maybe because you're thinking already what you want to eat later on, right now, what you want to makan later, you're planning already with your kakis. And as Singaporeans, we are known to be kiasu, or in other words, very impatient. Very, very impatient people. We, we don't want to lose. We must have everything fast and quick. So, you know, we don't like to wait. For example, if I talk about public transport, before you even reach the bus stop, you're, you are already checking out how many minutes is left before the bus arrives or the train arrives. You're always checking because you don't want to, you want to avoid the waiting. Or maybe those of us who work in the CBD, we go to Amoy or whichever hawker centre and it's peak hour. And how many of you know the feeling of just seeing someone eat the, put the first mouth into the, put the first food into the mouth, first spoon into the mouth, and then there are like three, four people standing beside just, just like waiting to take your seat. You know, everyone is just waiting. There's so many different things that we're doing that we are waiting. And somehow, no matter how busy or difficult it gets, we don't mind waiting for food. Lah. Don't mind waiting for good food. So whether it's public transport, whether it's waiting for the food, whether it's waiting for a doctor in, in waiting in line, none of us really like to go through that waiting game. And I want to encourage us as we enter into this Christmas season of this next few weeks coming up to Christmas and, and highlight the story of the birth of Christ coming to this world, there's a story actually about a couple who went through a long period of waiting before experiencing God's gift for them. See, these two people, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were mentioned only once in the entire Bible in the Gospel of Luke, and they have waited almost their entire lives to experience God's gift. So the question today I have for you as you think about this whole message is, what are you waiting for? Turn to your neighbor and say, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? So the title is The Awe, and the big idea is this, gifts can be accepted and reshared. Gifts can be accepted and reshared. We read from Luke chapter 1, verse 5, it says here, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Verse 6, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. 
and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So, as we read here, the opening line that says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, this sentence may seem like any other description, but for the Jew living in that day and that context, they will know that this was actually one of the darkest moments in the history of their, their lives, living under the rule of King Herod, also known as King Herod the Great. See, King Herod was actually anything but good or great. He was known to be a very evil, vicious ruler who would not, who would not stop at anything to keep his power and rule over the people of Israel. He's known to kill any of his opponents. Any people who oppose him, he would kill them, even his own family members. So he was ruthless and hated by the Jewish people. So this opening statement gave the reader how grim and how dark it was then for the Jewish people. On top of that, for the Jewish person, there, was, there, was over, there were over 400 years of silence from God. No records of prophets that rose up to speak to the people. There were no signs and wonders, no supernatural appearances like angels. And it was complete silence for 400 years. So imagine this. Not only was it dark, but God was silent for a long time to the people. The people of Israel were crying for a king to save them from their foreign oppressors. And it was at this point that the author Luke introduced the first two people before the birth of Christ. The two people are Zechariah and Elizabeth. See, Zechariah was a priest that was given the task to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Let's pause here for a moment, okay, to understand the context of this. See, this was no ordinary task to burn incense for the Lord. In order to better understand how special or unique this was for Zechariah, we must realize that at that time, there would be about 18,000 to 20,000 priests serving the temple which meant that when being, when, if you are being chosen by the casting of lots to enter and perform the priestly duties, this was close to impossible and only a once-in-a-lifetime experience. See, the Bible also recorded that Elizabeth and Zechariah were both righteous and blameless before God. It didn't mean that they were perfect or sinless. It meant that they loved the Lord. They served the Lord faithfully and they gave Him everything that they had. Yet even though they were good and faithful, people, they still experience much pain and disappointment. Both of them long for a child. But after many years of trying, Elizabeth was still barren. Seeing that culture, the stigma was there for any couple who did not have any children. People around there would wonder, what's wrong with these people? You know, how come they can't give birth to any children? Children were a form of security. Children was for them like CPF. They will have people to look after them when they grow older. It was a form of honour for the culture then. See, some people might think that if you don't have a child, you're probably cursed by God. Must be you, lah. got something wrong with your life, you know. Elizabeth, must be you, lah. you never pray enough. Or Zachariah, it must be you, lah. you got problem, you know. And people will think that it's either you have an issue, you sin against God, or your parents sin against God, or maybe your ancestors sin against God, that's why you are experiencing the curse over your life. This was the result of mistakes that has happened and that's how people would view those who were barren. Imagine how Zechariah and Elizabeth would have felt. Many years of coming to God, praying and asking, say, God, would you give us a child? 
the decades of cycling between hope and disappointment. And after trying again and again for kids, only to gain nothing. Zero. And now as the Bible described that they are so old, they are advanced in years, they are unable to have children. When the Bible says advanced in years, it's not like for us 50 or 40 years old. It's about 80, 90 years old. That's how old they are. They're so old. And there's this permanent sense of disappointment that hovered over them. On top of that, having to deal with the judgment and, and, and the eyes that looked at them thinking that there's something wrong. See, maybe some of us feel this way as well. Thoughts like, God, why me? No, why is this happening to me? Why, why me of all people? What's, what's wrong with me? What, what, what did I do wrong? Or maybe you even think, God, God, have you forgotten me? God must have forgotten about me. That's why this is happening to me. Can I encourage us as we read this that just as Zechariah and Elizabeth felt hopeless and resigned to their life situation, God had not forgotten them and He was not done with them. In fact, God wanted to use their situation and this ordinary and old couple for His glory. In fact, to me, I was just thinking as I was reading this, they could have just given up when they felt hopeless. Zechariah could have just divorced his wife. It's okay for him to go and find another woman and get married and have another child because he would want to have children. He could have taken things into his own hands. Both of them could have been bitter. They could have grown bitter towards God and blamed God for everything, for their barrenness. But the Bible didn't state that. The Bible didn't say that they blame God for their barrenness. Instead, the Bible says that they are known to be righteous and faithful. And they remain that before God despite their disappointment. And I want to encourage us today with that, that maybe you're facing certain disappointment, but you still can remain righteous and faithful before God because it's about God. He is the one that we are honouring in our lives. We read on in Luke chapter 1, verse 11, it says, And there appeared to him, as he was burning incense in the temple, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled, or he feared when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. What such a wonderful name. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, of course. No, just kidding. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Verse 16, And he will turn, turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord our God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready of the Lord a people prepared. See, when this happened, when the angel of the Lord appeared and declared all these things on Zechariah, Zechariah immediately was filled with fear when he saw him. See, for 400 years, there was complete silence between God and his people. And out of this routine of them coming to the temple, hoping that something's going to change, nothing has changed for 400 years, suddenly, a supernatural thing happened. It happened when he's still faithful in fulfilling what God has called him to do. See, the angel of the Lord appeared and Zechariah was going to have a son. He said, you're going to have a child and this child is going to be great before the Lord. Many will rejoice because of him and this son will prepare the way of the Messiah or the Saviour of the world. Zechariah, you're waiting has come to an end. Finally, your prayer has been answered by God. God is going to use you and Elizabeth and this child is not just any child. It's going to be a very anointed child that will prepare the way for God. See, that's great news. 
And you would think that Zechariah would have been filled with awe at what God was doing at this moment. But his reaction actually revealed to us that Zechariah was probably still stuck in disappointment. See, that's what disappointment does over time. When we become doubtful, become, we become doubtful, we become cynical about life, and even when something supernatural or extraordinary happened right before Zechariah, he was doubtful about the future. Why? We read this in the following verse. It says here in verse 18, And Zechariah responded and said to the angel, How shall I know this? In other words, prove it. Give me a sign. For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Verse 19, and the angels answered him, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Friends, this is what disappointment does. Disappointment over time may lead to doubt. Disappointment over time may lead to doubt. Have you ever felt so disappointed that you can't seem to find hope where you're at? Were there moments where you've been so disappointed and doubtful that you, you have lost the awe and wonder of who God is and what He has given you? Can you imagine being in Zechariah's position that he is there? Poor Zechariah, he was so stunned by the news from the angel that he couldn't even reconcile with what was being told to him. He couldn't even believe it. Imagine him standing there, looking before this angel on his right side, and looking at his current state, thinking, how old am I, man? How, am I, how is this ever going to happen? I'm so old. And the impossibility of having any kind of children. Zechariah was saying to God with his response, God, I don't believe you at all. I've prayed for deliverance from our barrenness for so many years, and nothing has happened. I'm now so old. I've come to a point that I'm resigned to what has happened. And now you're telling me that you're going to do something? I don't believe you. I don't believe anything that you're saying because when I look at myself, it's impossible. There's no way that I'm going to have any kids. In fact, I think next week I could pass away anytime. I'm so old. So how is this ever going to be possible? I don't believe you. Maybe some of us can empathize with Zechariah's response. Because our disappointment over a long period of time has formed a wall of doubt towards God. And even the miraculous or the supernatural or, or the, the amazing gift can happen right before your eyes and yet we still are filled with disbelief and doubt because we're so used to our pain and disappointment. Somehow our current state in life feels impossible for any change or breakthrough to happen. And we find it hard to accept what God is doing in and through our lives. See, Zechariah said this very clearly. How shall I know this? In verse 18. How shall I know this? I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And some of us are probably are talking to God like this right now. God, how can this be? How can this be? I'm, I'm maybe some of you are saying, I'm too old for this. I'm too young to be used by you. I'm too young for anything to happen. Or I'm too far away from God for you to do anything in my life. God, how can this be? I'm too sick. I'm too weak. I'm not good enough. I'm not ready for what you want to do in my life. And maybe the reason why we respond to God in that way is because we have allowed disappointment to become doubt. 
in our lives. See, some of us, we are so stuck in our current state of things that it has caused us to deny what God can do in our lives. But the truth is that in the present state of things, none of it has any influence or effect over God's power and His purpose for us. See, I want you to understand this. God is able to deliver His promises, His promises, despite our doubt and difficulties. God is able to deliver His promises despite our doubt and difficulties. See, verse 19 says this, And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. For Zechariah, he was too focused on his current state. I'm old. My wife is advanced in years. This is who we are. How is this even possible? How can we even have a child? Maybe you come 40, 50 years ago, might have some chance, 20 years, maybe still got a bit of chance. But now at this state, no way. And Gabriel responded to Zechariah's doubt with this, yes, I know you're old. See, his statement of, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, is as good as saying, I know it's impossible. But God is able. God is able because I, I'm the angel of the Lord. I'm not just any human person that you meet down the street or encounter any other day. I'm the angel sent specifically, specifically by God to speak to you. I stand in the very presence of God. Do you know who you're talking to? In fact, do you even know who God is and how great He is? Because I don't think you really understand how great God is. That's why maybe I think it's time for you to shut up. Time for you to diam diam and just reflect. That was literally what happened. He couldn't speak. He was silenced. See, interestingly, at this point, God did not reject Zechariah because of his doubt. God did not reject him because he had disbelief. Instead, God said, never mind, I'll discipline, I'll, sh- I'll teach you, I'll show you. See, if I'm Gabriel at the point of time, I honestly would have turned to God and like, God, are you sure this is the right guy? He thinks I'm a scammer, you know. I'm here to bring the news and he's like, you sure you're not bocoling? No, 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 cannot be, cannot be, cannot be. I'm too old for this. Can we move on already? I would tell God these kind of things. But God, God didn't do that. In fact, I would think God could have simply just moved on to the next person. Oh, it cannot. Okay, I'll find the next person. But God was merciful and He continued to work in Zechariah. That shows you how great God's love and mercy is. That He gave Zechariah a sign. Yeah, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. You'll be silenced. I'll stop you from speaking because of your doubt. In other words, God was, God was telling him, it's okay, Zechariah. Because of your doubt, you will remain silent and watch as I work in your life. It's time for you to shut up and time for you to look up. See, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how great their past disappointment is, and no matter how much doubt Zechariah had towards God, God was still able to deliver His promise, even if it meant for Zechariah to learn it the hard way of being silenced for nine months. See, friends, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. No, no mistake, no past so bad that can disqualify you from God's promises and purposes for your life. No sin so great that God's grace cannot reach and no pain so deep that God cannot heal. Nothing can stand between God and His promises for us. Amen? So the question is this, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Are you rejecting God's gift like what Zechariah did because of doubt? Or are you trusting and waiting on God 
to accept His gift. Maybe to some of us, any hint of change seems impossible right now. Could be a personal situation that you're going through, maybe a health issue or someone that you know of, or it could be a loved one that you've been trying to pray for for a long time to receive the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Christ. And you've been praying and praying and, and you're just tired and that things are not changing. There's no change. There's nothing that's been happening. I want to encourage you with this. See, for me growing up, my, my family, my parents were the first Christians uh, in their extended family, in my relatives and all that. And so growing up in a Christian family, um, my parents would make it a rhythm for us every week to have family devotion. So on Sunday evenings, we would come together, we would have time to pray, worship, read the Word of God. And usually towards the end is the time that we come and pray for different needs. See, so a little background is that you must understand none of my parents' family were Christians yet, especially my dad's side. None of them knew who God is. I remember always coming to the prayer time and my dad would say, can we pray for Ye Ye? Let's pray for our, my grandfather. Pray for him because he, he, he doesn't want to know Jesus. He's still stuck at where he is. He's, he's still rejecting every time we talk about Jesus. Can we pray that God will touch his heart? And this is a prayer that we pray almost every single week. Every single week. For many, many, many years. And there will be different occasions, like maybe at Chinese New Year, you know, when we go back and visit, and my dad would try to like, you know, bring up the topic of Jesus. The moment he takes, talk about, oh, you, know, uh, uh, you know about Jesus? Then he's like, straight away, my grandfather will be like, who is Jesus? No, don't talk to me about Jesus. I don't talk, let's move on. He'll brush the topic aside and he'll move on. And this happened every single year again and again. And, and I saw my grandfather slowly age and age. And, and it's not just years, it's like decades already. I saw him age and age. And I remember one occasion, we received news that my grandfather ended up in the hospital. And he was very old. He was suffering from diabetes. And he had to have two of his legs amputated straight away on the day. And so we drove into Malaysia to one of the hospitals, about a two-hour trip. Went into the hospital, saw my grandfather lying on the bed. And I remember seeing my dad just so heartbroken looking at his father, helpless, lying on the hospital bed. Both his limbs, both his legs gone. And, he's, and, and my yaya was just lying there. He's still conscious and everything. He's just like, I'm okay, I'm okay, you know, I'm fine. And, and we, we just took time to hold his hand and, and pray for him. But he was still quite stubborn. La. We tried to talk about Jesus, but he was still quite stubborn. And so our family left. But my dad, remained there at the hospital. My dad continued to stay on and was at his bedside just being present, continuing to pray for him and talk to him. And I just want to share that at that week that that happened, my grandfather finally said yes to Jesus and he gave his life to Jesus. He said yes and said, I want to, I, I want to believe in Jesus in Teochew. I don't want to say in Teochew, but he said it, I want to believe in Jesus in Teochew. And so when that happened, we rejoiced because I think less than two, three days later, my, my grandfather passed away. He just, he, he, he just went to be with the Lord. And I want to encourage us through this that as much as my grandfather could be one of the most stubborn person in the world to even listen to what you have to say, that nothing is impossible. That for my dad, praying so many years and decades, can you imagine how he felt every year going back to Chinese New Year trying to reach his dad and his dad just rejected him? Can you imagine how he felt at the hospital bed when he first saw him and thinking, God, how can I reach him? See, the disappointment is real, but God is greater and nothing is impossible with God. And I want to encourage you with this story, don't give up. Don't let the disappointment become a wall of doubt of what God can do in your life. 
Don't let disappointment form and become something that re- makes you reject what God wants to do and what God can do in your life. See, nothing is impossible. What seemed impossible after going through decades of rejection in that one moment changed because of God's timing and intervention. So friends, nothing again, nothing is impossible with God. And we need to know that God is working even when we don't see it or feel it. We continue in Luke chapter 1, verse 57. It says here, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have him called, have, him, have called him Zechariah, and name him Zechariah after his father. But the mother answered, saying, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was opened, and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, Blessing God. What a wonderful testament of what God had done in their lives. See, the name John represents Yahweh has shown favour. Yahweh has shown favour or the gracious gift of God. See, in other words, God had graced them with this gift of a child called John the Baptist. The moment Zechariah wrote that his son's name was to be called John, his mouth opened straight away and the very first words that came out were to bless and to praise God and it was a prophetic song that he released. See, this was a contrast from what happened earlier when he doubted God in the temple and asked for a sign. See, Zechariah learned his lesson and grew in his faith and trust towards God. He accepted God's gift. Nine months of silence have taught him something. We continue to read in verse 67, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. You could see a shift in Zechariah's heart the posture of his heart towards God. No longer was he doubtful, he was filled with joy and awe for God. His focus was no longer about his situation. In fact, his response showed us what's most important to him. He started his song by praising God for the arrival of the Saviour Jesus Christ. The horn of salvation actually refers to the mighty Saviour that is here to redeem his people that was predicted in the Old Testament. Zechariah understood God's promise and purpose for their lives. See, he continued to prophesy over John that he would be the one to lead the people towards repentance and prepare the way for Jesus Christ. He knew that this son was a gift that had a purpose in God's plan. The gift that God had for them was meant not only for themselves, but for others. I can imagine if I were in their shoes, I'll be holding on very tightly to my newborn son having to know that this son is a miracle that God has given to me in in an impossible situation, being so old and so little time left to live, I want to do whatever I can to hold on to this child, to keep him for myself. I wouldn't want to ever let go of this precious gift, not especially after waiting so many years. Yet, just as Zechariah and Elizabeth received the gift of their son, John the Baptist, from God, they also released him to do the work for God. See, their gift was meant to be shared to the nation of Israel 
as he led people to repentance and pointed people towards Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Can you imagine if Zechariah and Elizabeth, if they didn't release John the Baptist to do the work of God, and God's gift to them remained dormant in their own home. This is my son, I will never release him. I don't want to ever lose him again. The people might not have ever been able to hear about repentance, the kingdom of God, forgiveness, or Jesus Christ. See, the beauty and the point of Zechariah and Elizabeth's story did not end with having a miracle baby called John the Baptist. Rather, it was to point to a greater story of Jesus Christ, who is Emmanuel, God with us. So just as God is able to deliver His promise, despite our doubt and difficulties, we are able to share the gift we have received with others. We are able to share the gift we have received with others in the same manner. What has God gifted you today that can be released for His work and purpose? Maybe for some of us, He has gifted you with strength, with energy, with life, with passion, with things that you don't grow tired, tired easily, with the youth of your days, the prime of your life. Maybe God has gifted to you your family, the people that He has put in your life. Maybe some of us, we have time that God has gifted us. Others, we have talents. Or others, we have treasures that God has gifted us. Some of us, it could be success and the influence that God has given to you through that success. And for most of us here, I'm pretty sure all of us have received, most of us have received the gift of salvation. And how are we releasing this and sharing this with others for His work and purpose? How are we reflecting the gospel of Christ with our lives? Or are we just compartmentalizing our faith because of comfort and convenience? You know, don't bother so much. Ah, you know, don't bother so much. Just, just let the pastors and the leaders do their job. You know, let them do all the, the hard work, the preaching and everything. I just, all I need to do is just, just, just invite my friend. My friend reject and so be it. Lah. I don't need to think so much, you know. Just try and invite, invite for a special event, Christmas or Easter. That's enough already. Can I encourage and challenge us today that those of us who have experienced God's grace and received the gift of salvation, that we need to share this gift with others what God has done in our lives, to share it with others. If we have experienced this gift of Christ, His forgiveness, His love, let's not keep it hidden. Let's not bury it. See, what we have received as a gift from God, we are able to release it to others and to share it with others. So again, my question is, what are you waiting for? Why are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What is the gift that you've received today that should be released to others, to share with others. What have you received from God today that you are able to bless others around you? So what is one thing you can do today to share the love of God with others? What can we do? Maybe for some of us, it's time to pick up our phones. Instead of scrolling different things, we start texting our friends. Start asking them how they are or just drop them an encouragement to pray for them just to let them know that you're thinking for, of them. For others, it could be to start spending time at home with your family, with your loved ones who have yet to know Jesus. See, it's, it's funny that we want God to work in our families or want God to reach our families, but some of us, we barely are at home to even be present with them. And we say, God, would you touch my family member? Would you touch my sister? Would you touch my parents? But yet we spend most of our lives outside of our homes. And God is saying, maybe it's time for you to use the gift of your family that you are born into this family to reach your family, to release what God is doing in your life to your family members, 
to your workplace, to your school, to your friends that God has blessed you with. Maybe there is a reason why you are where you are at. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Maybe for some of us, it's that change of attitude or work ethic at your office or at your school to choose joy in Christ instead of going through the hustle culture or just chiong swa, don't think about anything, just hustle. See, maybe for us, there are different things that God is speaking to us right now. What is it that you need to do to share with others what God has gifted you? What is that one thing that you can even do to share the love of God with the people around you? Just as John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit, even in his mother's womb, the Bible says there in Luke chapter 1, verse 15. The Bible also says in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, that God will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. Which means that today, as followers of Christ, we have received the Holy Spirit to do His work. That we are empowered to represent the kingdom of God on this earth. See, we don't need to wait for Pastor Joey or Pastor Becky or Brother Aaron or your leader to be present in order for you to do God's work. You can do God's work right where you are. You can release the power of heaven right where you are. See, there is something each of us can start doing today to release what God has gifted us to others. There is something each of us can do today. So even as we dive over the next few weeks into the birth of Jesus leading up to Christmas, know that this is not just a significant moment in, in time or history, but this is about the answer to this world's biggest cry. This is about the best gift that God has given to this world. To bring the lost back to Him. To bring salvation through Jesus Christ into this world. See, Zechariah and Elizabeth waited almost their entire lives to experience God's gift. And through much of the waiting and the emptiness they faced, they probably felt forgotten and helpless and hopeless. Yet you know what's the most interesting thing that is in the Word of God right there? The most beautiful thing was what their names represent. See, Zechariah stands for the Lord remembers and Elizabeth stands for His oath, the oath of God. In other words, Zechariah and Elizabeth put together means the Lord remembers His oath. The Lord remembers His promise. The Lord remembers His promise. See, they were praying and hoping for a child, but God gave them more than a child, more than what they asked for because of His promise. He gave them a prophet that will make the way for the Messiah. Not just any prophet, huh? He was the greatest prophet ever. Matthew 11, 11 says, Jesus says that there's no other greater one than John the Baptist. The nation of Israel were praying in that silence for 400 years, asking God to deliver them from their foreign oppressors, from the different kings over them. And God gave them more than that. God gave the world salvation. Overcome sin and death through Christ Jesus for eternity. See, God is able. God is able. No matter how difficult, no matter how impossible the situation may be, the Lord remembers His promise. And nothing is impossible with God. He's able to deliver His promise despite our doubt and difficulties. And because of that, we are able to share this gift 
that we have received with others. See, He is able to do what He has promised. And today, we are able to share this with others. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? There's no one looking around. The question comes again to each one of us. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Maybe some of you, you've been seeking God and praying. Maybe for salvation of a loved one, you've been praying for your family member, for your parents, for your siblings, maybe for a friend. And I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't doubt, but continue to believe that God is able to work in and through your lives to reach them. What are you waiting for? Some of us today, God is speaking to you and He's saying, my son, my daughter, what are you waiting for? I've given you everything that is needed for you to reach others. I've given you, I gifted you with this life, this community, this family, this work, this school, this group of friends, this circle of community that you're in. I gifted you with all these for a purpose. What are you waiting for? What are you going to do with what you have? What are you going to do to share this gift with others? And maybe there's some of us here today, we've been lying dormant in our faith. And today, the Lord is challenging you to step out, to activate this gift that God has given to you. Whatever that He's blessed you with, to share it with others, the gift of salvation, the love of Christ, to share it with others. So across this room, no one looking around, heads bowed and eyes closed. If today you're saying that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and say, yes, God, there's something that you gifted to me and today I want to be that person that will share this with others. I want to share whatever you've gifted me with the people around me. If that is you across this room, just quickly slip up your hands and I'll just pray for you and you can put it down. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands going up. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. You can put out your hands. Thank you. I also want to pray for another group of people. And these are those of us who know of someone or you have someone in your life that you're praying for them to receive the good news of Jesus Christ, for them to give their lives to Jesus. If you know of someone that needs Jesus in your life, could you quickly slip out your hands and we will pray for you. Thank you, thank you. Hands going up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. you can put it down. Just would you stand to your feet right now? Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have done through the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we know, Lord, through their story that, God, you, you will deliver your promise despite our doubt and difficulties. And God, today we surrender our lives to you and say, God, would you move and use us for your glory. God, for those of us who have been dormant in our faith, who have been dormant in, in, in activating our faith, God, I pray today, Holy Spirit, you would inspire us, you would challenge us, you would move us from, to take the next step to reach others, to bless others, to release what you put in our lives for others. God, I pray that as a, the next-gen community, as youth and young adults, that we will not shortchange the world of what you're doing through our lives, God. So Lord, I pray, would you instill bonus, would you grant us that bonus and the courage, the strength, the braveness in our souls to step out, Lord, to step out and to represent you, to reflect your goodness to this world. 
whatever it is that you're speaking to us individually, Holy Spirit, would you touch us right now where we are? We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. I pray, God, that some of us here today, we have lost the awe and wonder of who God is. As I was just praying, I just sense the Lord is saying that some of us here, we have lost the awe and wonder of who God is. And today, the Holy Spirit is saying, it's time for you to allow me to remove that doubt. It's, it's time for me to bring healing to your heart. Maybe you've been disappointed by different things. Maybe you've been tired of waiting. But today, the Holy Spirit is, is saying, you've lost that awe and wonder of who God is. It's time for you to come back to experience that awe and wonder of who God is to us. Lord, right now, for those of us who are experiencing that in our lives, maybe we are disappointed and we are doubtful and we are jaded. But Lord, the fact that we are standing here today means that this is not coincidence and that you're still able to work in our lives. So God, I pray for every person that is here in this room that would you bring that awe and wonder into our hearts. Help us to recognize how great how awesome you are, how wonderful you are, how big you are, how powerful you are, that nothing is impossible with you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. And Lord, I pray that you will replace our hearts of doubt with a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving, that in our praise, we'll begin to experience more of who you are and begin to see in faith, Lord, what you're doing. So Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you, God. Right now, Lord, we want to pray for every person who knows someone that needs Jesus. Someone that we've been praying for to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. Right now, Lord, I pray for each of the individual persons here that have lifted up their hands and say, I'm praying for my friend. I'm praying for my sister. I'm praying for my parents. I'm praying for my neighbor, for my classmate, for my boyfriend, for my girlfriend, for my husband, whoever, so on and so forth. If there's someone in this, person, in this room right now that says, I'm praying for my friend, this person in my life to receive Jesus God I pray right now would you touch their hearts touch those who have yet to come to know you would you grant them opportunities for the gospel to be preached to be shared and more than that I pray that every person that walks out of this space God you would empower us to reflect you to live out in faith the goodness of our God Lord. that when people look at us they will see Christ when people look at us, they'll see the goodness of God. They'll see the power of God. They'll experience your grace for their lives. So we thank you, God, for the salvation that we're praying for. We thank you, God, that you're going to open a way, that nothing is impossible with you, God. So we commit all these friends and families, all these people into your hands, and we pray, God, that they will come to know you and give their lives to you. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone says, Amen. Come on, let's worship. You're the treasure that I would give my whole life for. What would it profit me to gain the world but lose my soul? I, I know my life is not. Let's sing that again. Would you invite Jesus to be a great one? Come and be my exceeding. The treasure that I would give my whole life for. What would it profit me to gain the world but lose my soul? I know my life is not my own. Seeing I've decided to follow Jesus, I have decided 
to follow Jesus. No turning back. Teach us your ways, O oh God. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning. Set us apart, God. Though not go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning. No turning. is not 